our sales team has a territory of a certain number of accounts and they are set to manage. They are always going to look at their, their spend across their customers and any customer with any level of spend is going to be a higher priority given the likelihood that they will purchase Twilio. And uh, we're always just looking for signals and cues that spend or usage has increased or changed. And again, anytime we see they're using a new API, we're reaching out to say, what are you working on? How can we help you? How can we provide you with resources? And just trying to you know, really understand and figure out what they're trying to achieve. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for Demo Diaries. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Tony Bennett, Director of Sales at Twilio, who's been in the space in tech sales, uh, SaaS sales for a very long time. Tony, I still remember when you were early at Terminus and you demoed the, the product. If you remember, I was doing uh, Node.io at the time helping uh, Fallon over there. And uh, now look, now you're at Twilio, which we were just chatting a second ago, has really like, I mean, it's, first of all, it's, a, it's an incredibly unique company and it's grown so fast and it's doing, in, I, I guess, powering every SMS, you know, um, feature, of its kind of the largest companies in the world. So kudos to you. How are you this morning? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Well, why don't you tell folks a little bit about your career background? I know I gave a little snippet and how'd you get to where you're at right now? Well, uh, I spent a lot of time in MarTech. I grew up in the Pardot ecosystem and marketing automation. We were acquired by Exact Target and Salesforce. Um, I made my way to Sales Loft and eventually to Terminus, where I helped to grow revenue at the uh, on the sales side from zero to twenty million in revenue. Then I had my daughter and took a year to do some consulting and ended up at Twilio, and I couldn't be more excited to be here. Um, it's been really neat because having come from smart uh, smaller tech companies, this company operates on such a larger scale. So. A lot of our hires who came from Salesforce and Oracle and other places think it's a really small company, but to me, we're really a big company. Um, but what we're doing, so I, I spent so much time in MarTech and now to be in a much more technical sale um, has been a totally different ballgame and it's been a really exciting journey so far. So what are some of those differences? I mean, you know, we're, we talk a lot about product-led and demos here and that sort of stuff, you know, essentially demo diaries. But I know when we were chatting last time, you were like, this, this feels more like we're the expert in the room, we're the consultant. These technical stakeholders have been in the product, they've played with it, they've perhaps built things, and now it's about up-leveling and really giving them some expertise. But what's that like now, like when you're selling to that technical stakeholder? Is the sales motion different? Totally. It's a totally different sales motion. You know, in marketing technology, it was a lot of, um, a lot of our audience was looking for ways to market to their audience better. And they were very open-minded about those options. So someone may not have come to us at say Terminus and wanted necessarily to buy what we had to offer or be in the market for it, but they had budget to do things that would produce leads for their business. And so 
there was an open-mindedness and a lot of that sale was about creating a picture and being able to tell an ROI story and getting someone excited and get their wheels turning about what they could do. And mm-hmm. marketing is such creative people, then you sort of leave the details to them. And this is totally opposite. Um, at Twilio, we have a stack of communications APIs. So obviously SMS, but virtually any channel WhatsApp, voice, any way you want to communicate with your customers up to a full contact center solutions, Twilio has all these building blocks, but nothing comes out of the box. So there's no version of just showing a demo and getting someone excited about the vision and then just saying, great, buy this, sign a contract, you're on your own. Um, Most of our customers will actually leverage our APIs, which... um, they can go online and sign up for without a salesperson. Mm-hmm. So I just put in a credit card. Um, so they'll go on and sometimes they've already built a POC or something before they ever speak with us as salespeople. Other times they come to us in the early stages. So we could start at all different places in a customer's journey of building. But at the end of the day, they have to have some sort of project or initiative they have to be committed to building it, which takes time and effort and resources, right? And then they have to build it and see success usually before they're going to really pay or commit to anything with Twilio. So the sale is a lot more, what are you trying to achieve? Really understanding the project, the importance, the urgency, the compelling event is so much more critical in the sale than it has been in my past life. Um, And by understanding what they're trying to achieve, then we can start to make products uh, or architecture recommendations and then provide them with the resources. So we really become a project manager and a resource and a consultant to help advise them on the best way to approach a project versus a true salesperson. I mean, obviously the lines are blurred between consultants and sales, but. Yeah. Well, certainly, especially in this product led world, right. Where you're not like sitting here, like, you know, here's what we do and jumping on having to do a demo before they even know what the heck you do, right? And what the product looks like, right? You know, in terms of like qualification and when you know to step in, like, are there any sort of like, you know, activities or engagement behaviors that you're like, oh, okay, this is now when we send it to a sales rep. And one of the reasons why I ask, I always talk about this Asana use case where you know, they get people into the product, you know, get people to start using it. And then once they start to see other people within the organization being si- or signing up to that account, right, then they'll start to uh, reach out as, as a, like a real human, right. And start to engage with them. And then we also had this similar motion, um, at Mopub where, you know, we'd have people sign up to the product. They start to kick the tires on it, implement the SDK. It was all developer driven. And then only when they hit a certain level of impressions being pushed through our product, then we would reach out. Right. And so do you have anything similar to that? Um, similar, yes. Um, <laughs> just quite a bit. So, generally speaking, the PQL is the best type of lead we can have. Uh, we say a lot at Twilio, it's really hard to get someone who's spending zero dollars on Twilio to spend five or ten dollars. Mm-hmm. But once they're spending ten, we can get them to spend a hundred and a thousand and mm-hmm. so forth. 
um, for many reasons. Part of it is when customers use our products, they tend to really like them and appreciate the ease of use and the flexibility and the ability to create their own roadmap. Um, but part of which is they just start to click all the different ways because we can do so much that they could leverage Twilio in their business. And so um, we use a number of different reports that show when someone has activity. Um, the biggest cues are really just spend on the product. So anytime someone is using a new API they haven't used before or their spend increases virtually at all but by a meaningful percentage, which the definition of that will vary by rep. Um, but really that's rep led. Like it's not like marketing is saying, okay, they've hit this threshold, we're gonna pass them to sales. Our sales team has a territory of a certain number of accounts and they are set to manage. They are always going to look at their the spend across their customers and any customer with any level of spend is going to be a higher priority given the likelihood that they will purchase Twilio. And uh, we're always just looking for signals and cues that spend or usage has increased or changed. And again, anytime we see they're using a new API, we're reaching out to say, what are you working on? How can we help you? How can we provide you with resources? And just trying to you know, really understand and figure out what they're trying to achieve. Um, we do also pick up on some types of marketing signals when someone's looking at content and things like that. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know all the, the thresholds that marketing uses to alert us, but we certainly get some level of marketing alerts when someone's mm -hmm. showing interest. Um, but again, my team is prioritizing that based on this customer has interest and they have existing Julia spend. Awesome. It's such a different sales motion, right? It's, so it's like, it feels almost like inbound, right? But not, it's actually better than inbound. And it's not like them just signing up. It's like you get so many people signing up, starting to use the product. And then once there's intent or intense, probably the wrong word, but it's, yeah, it's just engagement in terms of like demos. I mean, I, I would say that from my understanding, you know, of course they're already in the product, but maybe have you been in a situation where perhaps like they've been using it, there are these signals like, okay, these are signals that will sort of insinuate a propensity to upgrade or buy uh, and then uh, now they perhaps need a little sort of nudge to be able to see what the bigger picture could be. 100%. Right. And then in the, in those cases, do you, do you have a team that puts it like a maybe more robust demo together and be like, this is the you know vision. This is where you could be. Yeah. That's so that's why our sale is still tough. So people hearing this may think, well, that sounds easy. <laughs> Your team just gets a bunch of inbound leads. Um, it's not that simple. There are times when someone comes to us and they're building something and they're building a really big project and they already decided they're going to use Twilio and the sales rep gets project managed through the build, which sales requ requires a lot of effort, but less selling. But I would say actually in most cases, the sale is actually still very tricky because a lot of what we're doing is trying to understand, okay, you're tinkering with SMS. Why? What, what are you trying to achieve? And more importantly, like, what do you do as a business and how do you want the customer journey to look? So today somebody calls your contact center and they have to wait on hold for a long time to speak to a human. And you want instead to offer a text option. So when someone dials in, wait time is going to be 20 minutes. But if you want to text in, you can chat with somebody sooner. Um, 
So by asking and understanding what is the customer journey like today, what are the issues with it? What are you solving for? And what do you want it to look like? Some customers have a clear vision. I want to do X. And then we can really help them map that out. We'll bring in an engineer and really get um, into some fun whiteboarding and architecting. And here's how you could position. Here are three customers doing something similar. But other times the customer doesn't know. They just know they want to modernize. They want to do something different, but they're not really sure how. So then other times we are doing a lot more of that visioning with them. And we have an internal kind of free or Twilio paid for consulting team that we can bring in sometimes. Uh, we have tons of product managers and specialists and engineers and specialists that we can bring in. So the AE is a generalist on a lot of products, but they have all these really great resources they can bring in. So the job of the AE is really as much as possible to understand the business, the key drivers, the impact they're trying to drive, and to loop in resources to help build a vision. So we don't do a whole lot of demoing. In fact, we're I think we could do more and we're trying to figure out ways, especially in mid-market, to do a little more. But because we have nothing out of the box, it's tricky. It's, we don't have a demo like we did at, say, Pardot to show here's our marketing automation platform. So we can make little demos of things. Here's how this API works. Text this number and then you can see the response. Um, or let me show you what a, a text bot looks like. Um, so we have to get creative and sometimes it's more vision mapping or whiteboarding or architecting a flow. And other times it is actually demoing functionality. Um, the key is if we understand what the customer is trying to build, how technical they are and how much they seem to get the picture themselves, then we can try to determine the best approach. Like sometimes if we're speaking with really technical people, they don't even need us to demo. They get it. They know how it's supposed to work. They don't need to see it. They just need to have support with the technical architecture. And we're speaking with a COO or a VP of, of a business line. They may need us to actually bring something to life. That's awesome. So in terms of the use case of the like call center, is that something that the organization ends up building? Like they're building out a, a custom solution and they're building out like leveraging your APIs or do you have a product that <laughs> is sort of like out of the box-ish where they could implement this text message solution? You know, you think you mentioned like, oh, you know, people don't have to be on hold. I think I've been in or I've experienced that before where I've, I've called in and I've been on hold and then I was able to be like, oh, press two to this text. Is that something that y'all will like be yeah. able to offer out of the box? Well, I wouldn't say out of the box. Everything has to be built. There is nothing at Twilio that is truly like I pay for and turn on the works. Everything needs <sighs> some some level of building or configuring. Um, however, a lot of stuff is much simpler than you would think. Um, and we do have some lower code options through our studio product, which helps with the drag and drop builders that sort of builds the code for you in the background. So there's different ways to approach it. It depends on the complexity of the project. But um, for something that needs to be built, Twilio makes it really easy and has very clear documentation. And we do have some things that are more built out than others. So we have a SMS API, for instance, that you could come into and totally build anything custom from that API. But you could say, 
Um, we actually are trying to build a 2FA solution to help with password security. And instead of building, taking that API and building a bunch of extra stuff on the side to generate the password, we have this more packaged option on top of that, which leverages that API called Verify. And Verify is made for 2FA. So it generates the passcode and has a lot of security features built in. So we have more and less built out versions of different APIs for certain purposes kind of use case APIs, we call them. Um, they still will take some configuring, but they take out a lot of the work it would require to build something from scratch. This is so fascinating. Thank you so much, Tony. But, you know, question around like being able to lead and manage within this new world, right? Where we're all at home, there's no in-person huddles, you know, there's in you, you know, you're sort of missing some of those nuances, those nonverbals that we generally had in the sales pit, right? And the sales, sales area, you know, what are y'all doing to sort of stay on top and, and help your reps during this insane time on, on planet earth right now? Are there any sort of things that you've learned helping your reps sort of weather the, the, the storm of what's been the pandemic the last what year, almost year and a half now? It's tricky. I don't think I have perfect answers, but really what the business has done a lot to support employees from our executive leadership team, which has been great. It's very clear that this business really cares about its people. And they've done a lot from mandatory holidays and vacation days and uh, resourcing. But I say like for me as a frontline manager, we're, we're a very global company anyway. And in mid-market, we like to hire people in hubs, but we just want to get the best talent and we're very open. So I manage our Southeast region out of Atlanta. I would say somewhere between half and three fourths of the team is in Atlanta. And ideally we'd be in the office together at least a couple days a week. Um, I never force the team to come in every day, come in when you want to, but most of us came in at least three days a week. And then we have some other folks scattered around the Southeast. Um, so we were already more remote a lot of people would come in later and stay later because Atlanta traffic's also really bad. Um, virtually any workplace in Atlanta, there's a lot of offices. Oh yeah, Peachtree doesn't move. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I, I think like that—that's that was already a normal part of our culture, and so much of the knowledge that somebody would want as a new hire is in San Francisco or in another office. That we were already forced to be very collaborative. So, I mean, things that we're doing, um, certainly <laughs> tons of Slack channels for every single topic and purpose and product to get support. Um, but really, we just had to come together as a team. Something I underestimated early on was how, like, I didn't want to put a bunch of mandatory team meetings in the calendar and everyone be annoyed that, okay, we're now meeting every single day because we're not in the office together. Um, so I tried not to do that, but I kind of overwent that direction and realized we need to just be together and communicate and talk and share ideas and thoughts. So finding creative ways, instead of having a happy hour every week where people start to, okay, I'm not going to come this week because it all fades in together, doing different things. So we'll do a happy hour and then we'll do something else. Try to get different activities mixed in, um, try to bring in guests with specific topics, but don't just have them come and just speak off the cuff. Make sure I have someone from the team meet with them ahead of time to collect questions from the team and understand what they want to learn or achieve from that and prep the person properly so that it's, it really is a valuable conversation. Because I find that the Zoom fatigue thing is real. And if we just have 
set meetings that people don't feel like they're valuable. They want to leave immediately and they do. Um, so trying to find ways to make things actually valuable and productive, or to say, this is literally just a time to socialize. We're just going to get on and shoot the shit. And if you want to talk a little bit about work, you can. Um, so that sort of thing. And then um, just trying to connect on a human level with people and what are you experiencing? And some of my team went through some really hard stuff last year, right? All of us had at least a time where we were just emotionally not in the right place. And so also understanding and, you know, doing your best to support someone. And while we always want to focus on numbers, remembering that at the end of the day, this is a human and sometimes you're just not going to make a number. Sometimes you're just not in the right headspace, but that person can then come back and be in the right headspace later. Um, I'm kind of rambling now, but no, I love that. Thank you. You're, you're like touching my soul here because I totally get it. And I talk to a lot of folks. Um, you can imagine this is what I do <laughs> day in, day out. And this question will pop up. And, and I'm always very interested in the, in the responses. And there's been a couple that have really sort of spoken to this experience like, like you just did. And being able to say emotions in this conversation which when in your career if you think about oh you know sort of the 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 your career as a holistic thing like when did we ever talk about emotions right so i think this is actually progress in the professional world because we yeah. need that we're humans right we're not machines we're not robots so i really i really appreciate it tony thank you so much i know you got a long day ahead of you don't want to uh take up too much more of your time congratulations of course uh on uh on the family and everything that you've been building um i know it's not easy particularly during these times having to juggle all these things so kudos to you if folks want to follow you on social media maybe learn more about the content you share what are some good social handles or urls to reach you maybe twilio's got upcoming opportunities in the region uh for careers yeah. Julia was always hiring. Um, for me specifically, I just say LinkedIn right now. I have not been very active on Twitter. Just Tony Bennett, Tony with two N's um, on LinkedIn. And there are a lot of ways you can find Twilio and find careers. So you should do that too. Cool. Well, have a wonderful morning, Tony. Hope to see you in person at some conference yeah. sometime soon. We'll see what happens here in 2021. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Have a great one. Bye.